The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and as always, I am joined by the core of Vicious Syndicate, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Doing okay. It's uh, bright and early here on a Monday morning. We are not here to talk about a report. We are here instead to talk about the core set, which is a huge, huge change to Hearthstone. Uh, and we we are both just really excited to talk about it. But before we go any further, there is a lot of stuff going on right now in the Hearthstone world. Uh, so in the interest of full disclosure, we don't really know when the next report's going to be right now. And we don't really know when the next podcast is going to be right now. There will probably be both, but we don't have dates at the moment. Our report is definitely not happening this week, but we do have a podcast today, and we're talking about we're going to talk about the core set. We're going to go over the core set, not card by card, but we're going to have a discussion about how the classes are situated, um, looking just strictly at the core set and what their future could be over the next year as a result. And yeah, we'll we'll get into that discussion. And the course set reveal definitely showed a lot about uh, Team Five's philosophy going forward, and we really want to touch on that. Yeah, it's we can we really get the we really get a good way to see how Hearthstone has well transformed over the past decade. God, it feels so weird to say that. It's been seven it's been years. Seven years. Seven years. That's in. And yeah, I was really I was really excited when looking over the core set because it's very clear that it's designed for a different purpose. This is something that I've had to say a few times that across different podcasts and mediums, whatever. In 2014, Classic wasn't called Classic. It was called Hearthstone. That was the entire game. And so when you build a set that has to be the entire game, it's going to be very different than something designed now that just has to be something that you give to players that makes their lives easier when they're building decks. It's just... It could not be a more different purpose. Yep, it's entirely different, which is why it needed this update, right? Because that makes absolutely no sense that that set would define Hearthstone for the forever. Um, but what's interesting about the core set, and and uh, you know, I'm personally a little bit surprised by some of the decisions that they've made. But what's obvious to see, there are two things that are really obvious that they they've made a conscious effort to take away from the core set. The first thing is card draw. Now, that is the entirely the opposite of what I personally wanted. You remember in an older podcast, I talked about card draw. Just give even mediocre, basic card draw to all the classes so that they have access to something in case they lack it in, in expansion sets. And what ended up happening is that they, not only did they not, add card draw or if they did it's like one for one discovers or one for one cycles but none of like they didn't add any card draw engines right that turn one to into two and they also took away some from classes they took away card draw and basically we're in a situation where the best card draw tools in the core set is like Spectral Sight and Demon Hunter and Arcane Intellect and Mage and a six-mana sprint. That's 
the card draw that you see in the corset. And that's very... that The power level here is obviously very weak. And it's... Uh, the availability of card draw is very scarce. I guess we have nourish and druid might be like the high watermark there. Right? No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not even gonna con- like. Not even gonna discuss nourish as at six mana as some card draw engine. Like that card is never gonna be played as a card draw engine. Um. So you clearly have an effort to take away card draw from the core set, and that. Like looks at first glance looks kind of crazy, but the what it seems to be building up to when you when you take into consideration their interviews, right? Um, ben Lee was very obvious in his statement that everybody's gonna get card draw. And they're gonna be more aggressive about printing card draw. Is that card draw is going to be a mainstay in expansion sets, and card draw very much is a glue that holds that together and and it sometimes is a foundation of their synergies and having it be only an expansion thing makes it easier for the game to change year by year through rotation right because as card draw chains then decks are going to be warped differently because they're going to try and manipulate themselves into building towards whatever engines they have available whatever card draw is available. So when that thing is, you know, something like cutting class, when that thing rotates, then suddenly, you know, weapons, uh, you know, drawing weapons, drawing cards through weapons is going to be different and, and so on. So it seems like they're just putting all of their draw engine eggs into the expansion sets basket. Now, that is a risk. Because what is the risk here? Is that if the card draw engines that they draw they print for classes ends up whiffing, right? Ends up not working out, then these classes are in danger of having no card draw available to them. But the solution to that, and it seems again, judging by the way that they talk about draw, is that they're going to be far more aggressive in how they print card draw, which means they're going to tune it up before release rather than tune it down like if you have some some draw that you want to see play they're going to make sure it's powerful enough that it's not going to whiff that it's not going to be a failure and considering their new balance philosophy that they're willing to make very frequent changes it makes it things easier right it makes it easier for you to take a risk and release a card that's potentially too powerful rather than make it water it down and just make sure that it's not too powerful. So when it comes to card draw, I think they're going to try and push the limits on the power level. And if it's needed, then they're going to make adjustments later. Well, And I think it's important to note as well, there, there wasn't a ton of it in the core set to begin with. But maybe the most important change, like the biggest example, is Battle Rage not coming back. Because uh, that card in particular is the mass draw engine for Warrior and has been for years. That's the... Most significant one I can find. Not really years. Mostly since Skipper came out. Like, Battle Rage was really good uh, during the patron days when you had Dazbite. And now you, you had the, enab- the other enabler, which is Skipper. Battle Rage was, is played whenever there's a, there's a whirlwind engine, right? That, allows, that enables it. But the point is that it's a card that can allow you to generate multiple 
cards in hand. You, you, it, it helps you increase your hand size. That is what, when I say card draw engine, that's what I mean. Like, for example, uh, um, uh, a cycle, novice engineer is not a card draw engine because it just trades one for one. You play a card and you, you, ha you, you get it back. It's just a cycle. Um, so Battle Rage is one. Like Acolyte of Pain, Warrior also lost that card a year before. So now it has no card draw related to self-damage mechanics. And if it wants to have, if it wants to build into self-damage mechanics, it has to be like given card draw mechanics that, you know, do a, a similar service, right? But right now it's going to lose all of it. And that's significant. And also things like shield block is also lost. But we'll talk about that uh, when we get to Warrior. The point is, card draw is, there's a, there's a, there's a, Deliberate effort to take away card draw, move it away from the core set, and just leave a few things like just arcane intellect, which is honestly a card that usually gets pushed out for better for better engines uh, once they're printed. You look at Cram Session; uh, that's a really good example right now. When arcane intellect is is not really played, or if it's played, it's like one copy, and even that copy is not very good. So. That's that's basically the effort that we're seeing. And the second thing that you notice in the core sets that's general to all classes is the removal of finishers. Whether they are, uh, you know, synergistic finishers like Savador and Bloodlust, or whether they're just direct damage cards that help in killing the opponent. You look at Lava Burst, Frostbolt, Eviscerate, Kill Command... Lots of direct damage uh, spells. And again, not all of them. You still see Fireball stay, stick around, and such. Not like Lightning Bolt. They're still there. But mostly just Fireball. Like, there are so few yeah. of them. So few of them. Like, direct damage spells are very scarce. And I think the main reason why uh, the ones that stayed stayed is mostly for iconic reasons, just to give the class flavor. Okay, mage is a class that's supposed to shoot you sometimes, right? So it has the fireball. But, you know, Frostbolt's gone. And so, uh, like, Arcane Missiles is gone. There are a lot of things that uh, they took away. And the effort here, we kind of explained in the previous podcast that it makes sense to have the cards that kill you, that win games, that beat you, be rotated year by year. It makes keeps things fresh because those are the cards that you remember the most when you lose Hearthstone games. And losing to the same card for six, seven years can be a little bit tiring. A good example is Savage Like We've been losing to Druidux with Savage Order forever and ever. We can we can have other flavorful ways to lose to board wide druid. It hasn't been just druid decks this past year. It's been Zephyrus decks. Like Zephyrus for Savatura makes it even more visible. But yeah, it's it's they talked about this a little bit. Super visible end game. It's going away. They're making new end game so that we get something new to see. So so it's not that you know we're gonna have a meta. Like, the next meta is going to be about a wet noodle fight where nobody kills anyone and there's no lethality. Because that would be a concern if they didn't print those cards in expansion sets. Rogue is still going to kill you. It's just not going to kill you with Eviscerate. One year it's going to kill you with this card, and another year it might kill you with this card. 
The point is, Rogue is supposed to do damage. It still has a sinister strike to tell people that Rogue wants to kill the opponent. Uh, can like has the tendency to do it aggressively, but it's gonna do it differently every time, every year. So that's kind of the message. So finishers, win conditions, and card draw are being moved to the expansion sets and away from the evergreen sets. And it makes sense from a philosophical perspective, right? But there is a risk, and I said what the risk is. When you don't give those options to classes and you ended up, uh, let's say, printing weaker cards or the cards that you printed weren't strong enough, it could leave classes stranded. But with the new philosophy of balance of like, we're willing to make changes very frequently, you give the balanced designers, you give them uh, uh, more leeway into releasing cards on a more powerful level, right? You, you're allowing yourself to print more powerful cards because you're saying to the team, hey guys, it's okay if something ends up being overtuned. We'll sort it out in a week or two. We just want to make sure it's fun and playable. So that's the... That's what I'm seeing from the course. That's what I can identify. Yeah. Uh, short version, if you are looking here for archetypes, you are not looking in the right place. Look at the expansions. And even if you're looking here for something your class is supposed to be good at, if your class is supposed to be good at something, they probably pull most examples of it from the core set. Like you'll notice Priest has no AoE outside of just Holy Nova because they want to print cool AoE cards every expansion. Right, or or at least like every couple expansions. And they can't do that if they put good AoE in the core set, because then they leave that there and it's always the same thing. That's kind of why I'm a little surprised that Brawl stuck around, but Brawl's kind of been in and out of lists for a while. But otherwise, you want what your class is supposed to be good at in expansion so that it gets to be different every year, as opposed to the same card like Kill Command, like Eagle Horn Bow, forever. Yeah, but cards in the core set also have another role which is telling new players what these classes are all about, right? And Brawl is kind of a card that kind of tells you what at least late-game warrior strategies are about, right? It's a removal card, very much so, with, with, a, with a unique flavor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... And, you know, it might next year, it might rotate. I don't know. It's never permanent. That's the thing. Like, maybe next year, Mage loses Fireball and gets Frostbolt back. I don't know. But it's possible. But the point is that um, we're going to see less of these um, finishers and less of these uh, you know, powerful build-arounds in the core set, and they're going to mostly be in the expansion set. Um, so, so that's pretty much the introduction. That's like the big picture of the core set. So we're not going to, when we look at the classes, I'm not going to cry for every class. Oh, this class doesn't have card draw in the core set. No, guys, I realize what they're doing, so there's no point crying about it. We just have to see what happens in the expansion. And if the expansion doesn't have card draw for Priest, Paladin, Hunter, Shaman, you can guarantee that Zacho will be crying foul in the, in the podcast that will um, come up after. But for now, let's wait and see. So let's look class by class, and we'll start with the weird one, because Demon Hunter had such a weird circumstance coming into this. They they ended up, they have to double dip into some Ashes cards that were already in standard just to make sure they have a course at the appropriate size because every one of their expansions was a little larger this past year. And they also lose all of Demon Hunter Initiate, which was basically 
we wouldn't be talking about this for any other class because that would just be the cards that were rotating out of standard from the year of the dragon. But for Demon Hunter, they were part of it. They were given away for free, so they're a little weird. But we're not keeping Twin Slice. You were, if you were used to the idea of Twin Slicing, that is not Demon Hunter's class identity. I mean, uh, Twin Slice is uh, kind of an iconic card, and but I, I think it's a very good thing that it's it's going away because I think that Demon Hunter's dominance in the early game was a little bit too much uh, with that card. It just was far too efficient alongside the hero power as well. So that's a big um, miss for, for Demon Hunter. I really like the fact that Consume Magic is going away because it fits their... Uh, like, they want Demon Hunter to be weak to big minions, and many of the big minions are no longer big when they're silenced. So Consume Magic going away, I think, is, is a good thing. Um, a Blade Dance got nerfed, now it's going away. Another card that kind of circumvented the the weakness of Demon Hunter and removing big minions. Um, yeah, and a lot of other cards. Umber Wing, which was important for early game dominance of aggro Demon Hunter decks. So you're seeing a lot of cards move out that I think kind of um, might have been too strong in some aspects. And uh, I think it's allowing Demon Hunter to redefine its strength and weaknesses this way. And that's a good thing. Altruist is going away, thank God. Ugh. I never expected to See, stay around. This is, but... <laughs> this is the sign of the new Team 5 more than anything. Of If you want to get an idea of how committed they are to the health of the game, we would call these cards iconic, and we got so used to seeing them, and they said, no, that's not the right fit. We're going to do something else. Twin Slice is about as Demon Hunter as it gets. I mean, Altruist is like, is there a card that is like... You remember more about your like your demon hunter opponent killing you it's... with an altruist more than anything. Like this card has been the I win card for demon hunter for most of the year, and now it's going away. Now you're not gonna lose to altruist anymore in standard, and and that is exactly the example. That like lethal finishers, they're moving them away from the core sets, and that's why altruist is gone. And instead, it's replaced by a legendary. Uh, uh, the Corvus Bloodthorn, which is kind of a penflinger. It's a jacked-out penflinger I could, for Outcast, which is... It's a strong card. It's, it's pretty overloaded. It reminds me of Kane, but it's not like a card that's just gonna, you know, end the game upon entrance. Well, it's gonna depend on if we have low-curve Outcast cards, uh, because it, it triggers not when you Outcast a card, but when you play a card with the word Outcast on it. Uh, and so if you, if you have a bunch of, you know, really cheap outcast cards and it's a 2-2 two -two and you hit them and then you bring it back and you hit them and you bring it back. But it, I would say the most distinctive ah. card that I can think of for Demon Hunter as far as finishers in a way is Skull. But it's not like, that's not a finisher. That's just like a draw engine and mana engine all in one, but that's an expansion and it's going away. Some people thought that Skull was going to be added to the core set. And I said, have you lost your mind? Yeah, there was absolutely no way. Spectral Sight is just a far better example. Of, like, if you ever keep something, some card draw for Demon Hunter, because it doesn't have generation, right, in the core set. So it's a class that's I think, is defined by having a little bit more card draw than others, and that's fine. I think Demon Hunter and Rogue are the, are the classes that should excel at card draw more than others. Um, and, you know, it, it still has the cycling power of Chaos Strike and, and Sejuwinor, so it has more card draw in the core set than other classes. And Feast of Soul, even though that card is bad, it's still a draw card. 
I know all the Demon Hunter players were worried that Feast of Souls was going to rotate out, but don't you worry, <laughs> yeah. staying. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, the only thing I'm surprised about with Demon Hunter set is that Aldraki Warblades is staying. But look, considering that Twin Slice is going away, I think it makes it a little bit more tolerable. It's just that whenever there will be attack buffs for Demon Hunter, and there probably will be because it's Demon Hunter, then I feel like Aldraki Warblades is like always going to eventually end up being good, uh, which is kind of why I'm a little bit weirded out by uh, Warblade stain. But we'll see. Maybe it's not going to be as offensive uh, in in future uh, expansion sets, or they just want that to be the way that Demon Hunter heals. I don't know. It's very clearly designed to work with Ilganoth, and if you rotate Warblades now, then Ilganoth it becomes just not a card. I think they're kind of priced into keeping it if Ilganoth is the kind of card they want to make. Are we sh- are we sure that this is the card that you're combining with Ilganoth right now? That's not exactly what's happening in the meta right now. But not Other for meta. Like- no, this this is for core set for players that if you, if for players that are not necessarily in the super high legend bracket. Okay, new player comes in says, "Okay, Demon Hunter is about life stealing. You've got I Beam and Warblades. It's about." Stealing the life of the opponent. I can see that. I can feel that. Ashton Butter Paddle Load also stays. So it's got a bunch of lifesteal stuff. The legendary Bloodthorn is also a lifesteal thing. I can understand it. I can understand it. I just think that maybe Warblades uh, is going to be a little bit too powerful if it stays forever. But again, time will tell. I yeah. do think the legendary is really cool. The legendary is really cool. I mean, I think it's really strong. I mean, a 2 2 charge, like a 2 2 charge. For two mana with lifesteal is already a good card. The fact that it bounces and you could do it repeatedly, I, I don't know. That feels like, I don't know if it's a cane with five health kind of thing, overloaded card, but it is kind of overloaded. Like, I think most aggressive decks are going to play it just for being a 2 2 with charge for two mana. But I'm not that excited about a 2 2 with charge for two. It's, it's fine. I'm not that excited. I think it's, I think it's pretty good, but oh, we'll see. Um, yeah, so Demon Hunter, another card that's coming back is Warglaves and Asnoth, and it's five mana again, but you took away one charge, so it just has three charges now, which is better than, I think, the six mana version, but uh, far worse than the unnerfed version, because it's like 25% of the card you shaved away. So I don't think it's going to be as offensive. It's uh, definitely more playable now. It's definitely something that, that you can run and not, like feel bad about doing but also it's definitely this feels like the version they should have printed right maybe this was the nerf they should have done but they needed to nerf harder to make sure that ashes wasn't dominated by aggro demon hunter after the fifth nerf because if you nerf it five times and it's still the best deck in the meta then you've got some kind of problem there so it makes more sense that in that context they made a more aggressive nerf and now they can make a softer one yeah the only card that's kind of uh well, there there are two new two other new cards. I think like Gunnar Glavesmith, the three mana three two with Outcast, give your hero three attack this turn. I think it might be played in aggressive decks. Um, it reminds me of Still Stepper, but I think in some ways it can be better because you can play it on three and it can be activated. So I think that card is kind of a sneaky good card, and it it takes your Corvas. Takes your Corvas. Yeah, it's kind of. I think that card is pretty good. Um, if you compare it to Steel Stepper, 
And then there's the card that we're debating, we've been arguing uh, about, which is Illidari Inquisitor. The 8 mana 8-8 eight, eight with Rush. And after your hero attacks an enemy, this attacks it too. So if you... And considering that there's still Raging Fell Screamer, that a lot of people are dreaming about playing Raging Fell Screamer, then playing this on 6, and then, I don't know, hero powering your opponent in the face, and this gets to attack twice. You, you seem to be excited about this one. So the litany that's going on right now is that this is kind of a Ragnaros, and I kind of see it. The the dream curve, the dream curve, Raging Fell Screamer on four, Warglaives on five, this guy on six. Hit your board, and then you hit him with the Warglaives, and it attacks all the minions, and you hit your opponent in the face, and it hits them in the face for eight. That's the dream. That's not, it's not actually going to happen that way most of the time. But it's an, eight, it's an eight drop that if you have a weapon equipped, attacks a minion for eight, and also goes face for eight the turn you play it. And then the turn after you play it, it attacks face for eight, and then you hero power face, and it hits for another eight. Feels like a lot of damage. I don't think it's going to live one turn it's all that often. It's potentially a lot of damage, and yet I don't believe in this card. The reason I don't believe is because Skull Gudan is still a card, and we don't want eight mana eight eights in our deck when we run Skull Gudan. That's the, that's the thing that makes me think that this card... Like, we have not seen expensive cards shine in demon hunter at all over the last year the only one was priestess and that's because priestess was jacked as hell and i think you can agree with me that priestess is better than this card and also costs one mana less so i'm not feeling inquisitor but i'm prepared to be proven wrong but i don't think i will as long as skull isn't uh, is available i really think that demon hunter is incentivized to just run a cheaper curve. I mean, even look at its its a combo deck, Lifesteal Demon Hunter. It runs a cheap curve because of Skull. Soul Demon Hunter is the same thing. I mean, people are even trying to cut Militia, even when they shouldn't, just because it feels bad with Skull. Skull's crazy card, and worth building around more so than anything else we've seen in Demon Hunter, or anything that most classes ever see. But, they're trying to make this card flashy and uh, at least seem powerful enough that it's a worthwhile discussion to be having as some kind of payoff for a, for a bigger Demon Hunter deck, which they very badly want to happen. It, it's You don't leave, like, Chaos Nova and Fell Screamer in the core set and make this card if you don't want Big DH to happen. So, I don't know if Big DH is going to happen. I have a lot of doubts. I think Big I, I think DH, I would put it at the same historical tier as Jade Rogue hat. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's it's gonna be Jade Rogue. It's never gonna happen. <sighs> it's never gonna happen. It's Jade Rogue. Yeah, and every rogue that tries to be slower and play for value is secretly Jade Rogue because none of them work. I've tried. I have tried so many decks with Shadowcaster over the years, and none of them worked. I mean, is was Galakorn Rogue not really a control deck? It was actually a control deck when you think about it. It was. No, a control it was, was mid range combo. No, no, it was... What is mid-range combo? It's a late-game strategy. It was the ultimate late-game strategy. So, in a way, it was the ultimate control deck back when it shined. So, I really don't... Like, all these definitions really don't matter. The fact is that we had Kronks, it had AoE, it had comeback mechanics, it had life gain as well. Okay, here's the, here's the big brain comment. Rogue Galakrond is the original Skull of Gul'dan. Boom. How about that? Yeah, I guess so. 
they only got printed four months apart. It only came four months before the skull. Yeah, and then they so did both those at the same time, and they said, "Oh, we should stop doing this," and then they stopped yeah. doing it. So uh, I don't, I don't think that Illidar Inquisitor will be enough to get us to stop running skull. But there's enough uh, inherent power here, or at least it seems that way. Before we played with the card, that it might be worth the trade off, or it might drive a different archetype. And I like that they're trying that. I don't know if the core set is the place for it, and this card seems like an outlier compared to the other stuff they're doing in the core set. But also, they've tried to print big DH cards before that have seemed very good, and they have not been good enough. The fact that Coilfang Warlord never saw play is crazy to me. But big DH just isn't a thing, so they're giving it a push. And it's not going to work. Move on. Okay, okay, It's not going to work. We're dedicating too much time to Big DH in this podcast. We're not going to have time for the actual things that are going to happen. Okay. Which isn't Big DH. So, I can't really transition from actual things that are going to happen into Druid all that easily. But... Yeah, so Druid got a got a pretty significant facelift, right? So, um, it lost... I think that there's... Like a, there was a significant effort to remove basically all spells that deal damage, all direct damage spells are gone, um, which is pretty huge, right? You, you, there's no swipe, there's no wrath, there's no moonfire. Can't even keeper of the grove the face anymore. Like there's, there's, you have to pounce and feral rage. Those are those are your options. Yeah. So removal in druid over the next year, they seem to be. Pushing it towards uh, using your own face, kind of like a demon hunter thing. You've got pounds. You've got feral rage. I really like the fact that feral rage is coming back. By the way, I think it's a really nice, versatile card that Druid is. I think is very likely to use. It's a sweet over card. The next year, yeah. If they were to get a core set legendary that wasn't Cenarius, I was assuming it was going to be Fandral, and uh, and it makes like feral rage is super cool. And maybe they'll have more choose both cards. They've had one of those every couple years. Yeah. So so you see. What what you see in Druid is they lost the swipe, uh, Moonfire, Malagos dream, right? That's gone. That kills you, so that goes away. They lost uh, Savage Roar, but you still have Arbor up, so they might uh, be printing other payoffs for you know tokenish Druid decks. And um, you look at they they only had seven cards that stayed exactly the same and that are staying in the core set, and that really gives you an idea of what they're looking at. They kept three ramp cards. They kept three token cards, and they kept Uproot. Those are the seven cards. Yep, basically it. Uh, obviously, they changed uh, Druid of the Claw, so they took out the charge option. Now it's a rush card. They did buff the taunt option. Now it's a 5-6, not a 4-6, so it's a little better in that department. Well, they they kind of buffed both, but the 5-4 half now is rush, not charge. Yeah, it's it's a bit of I think it's a sad card. A five four rush for five mana is sad. Like this is essentially a five mana five six taunt. So I don't think it's gonna see much play at all. But uh, you know you have Nadrasil Druid, which is kind of like uh, it's like a weird Arcan Tyrant kind of thing or a Nubisat Defender kind of thing. Yeah. The next spell you cast this turn costs three less, but this this is a four mana three five. So in a way, it's a one mana three five, but you need to use an expensive spell. And you need to use it off curve. I personally don't like this card. I don't think it's good enough, but it kind of tells you, okay, Druid kind of does this thing, right? Yeah. 
it's a it's a low powered example of what like you play this and then you feral rage for four attack and you hit something and that's the dream or you play this in wild growth but it is maybe like the least appealing form of mana cheating i've seen in a while which is pretty impressive yeah 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 so it kind of wanted to tell players who are uh, new to hearthstone maybe that uh, druid likes to ramp and cheat mana but they're giving you the watered down version of of, of cheating mana which i think is fair I don't think this card is particularly good, but it's okay. But here's what I'm excited about with Druid. Is the change to Mark of the Wild. I think this is the most significant change. Or this is the card that may be the most impactful uh, over the next year. Because they buffed Mark of the Wild. It was previously give a minion taunt and plus two plus two. And now it's give a minion taunt and plus two plus three health. So let me tell you guys. That one health is significant, especially when this is a taunt buff. And now this taunt buff basically has no stat penalty. Usually buffs have a stat penalty. If it's a two-mana thing, right, it will be a 2-2 two -two buff. Or if you look at Blessing of Kings, it's one stat point less than Chillwind Yeti because you can, use the attack you can use the attack buff on the same term. Essentially, buff spells have kind of charge built into them, right? Because you can attack with the minion you had on the board. And this one doesn't pay a stat penalty. And it's early game buff. So to me, this is one of the best buffs in the game. This is comparable with Hand of Adult. Mark of the Well. And you can play it in an aggressive Druid deck. And it's really good for the board control. Or, you know, you taunt something up and makes it difficult for your opponent to remove something else that you're protecting. Maybe. And in like ramping druid decks, if you play like a big minion, your opponent struggles to kill it, and you just put taunt on it, and then it's even harder to kill you or do anything. So I think this card has potential in multiple druid archetypes, and it's like very strong. Are we sure this is a core card? Hat like this feels like a pretty significant push towards uh, maybe improving the survivability of druid decks. And it's listed in the card library on the website directly next to Enchanted Raven, so we know what we're going to be about. Every class got in the core set got like a memorable one drop, right? So Demon Hunter kept Balfi. Now we're in Druid. We got Enchanted Raven back. Now, obviously, Enchanted Raven doesn't seem too exciting when we've had Blazing Battle Mage for the significant amount of time, over more than a year. But... Now, Druid is going to be the class that has the one mana 2-2. Two, two. And yeah, that seems like a pretty decent curve, right? Raving into Mark. Yeah. We've... So, um, I've been thinking about how we've had Ironbark for such a long time, and we've never just jammed that on 2. Um, obviously, plus 2 is better than plus 1, and the mana reduction, really, people were using it for different purposes. Right? That was definitely meant for something else. So, the, the curve of... One drop into Mark of the Wild is going to be pretty devastating for a lot of decks in the early game. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious to see where it's going. And really, if you're playing Enchanted, Ar uh, Enchanted Raven already, is, is it time for Beast Druid? Because really, the change that you're looking for, the reason that you were underwhelmed by Druid of the Claws, you weren't thinking big picture, Zach. You have to innervate out or coin out on turn four. You make five, six taunt. And then on turn five, you slam Menagerie Warden, and that's two, five, six taunts. Yeah, that's not happening. It's that's not, a thing. that's not a constructed. That's not a constructed thing. You know, yeah. Stranglethorn Tiger is staying in standard. It's going to be broken. 
Super broken. We know that. We we've been there before. We we remember how th- this interaction broke the game. We remember. It's coming back, guys. Unstoppable. But the point is, um, Mark of the Well, watch out for that card. I I, I think it's a <laughs> it's better than Iron Bark, definitely until up until turn seven, which is what most Hearthstone games uh, are about, right? The first seven turns. Well, and if so. you're playing it proactively and not as a zero mana card to trigger a mount seller or whatever, then then it's clearly better. I I I, I think this card is good. Yeah. I, I would put it uh, close to Hand of a Doll, and we know Hand of a Doll is a good card. We do. So yeah, that's the Druid set. Really, and no archetypes. There's there's nothing really that strikes you as okay. They're pushing this thing or that thing. They're just giving Druid kind of a bit of everything. Like again, I think a lot of people who are playing the game have been playing the game for a long time. It's hard for them to gain uh, like look uh, from the perspective of new players because the core set is very much tuned to um, introduce classes to new players. Like, this is what this class does. So what Druid does, it does a bunch of, you know, maybe damage, uh, like removal through feral things. Maybe next year it'll do something else, but this is what it's doing right now. It's got some trees, right? It grows some trees, and it does some choose-one stuff. That's mostly what it does. Um, if you look at the course set perspective, I think this, this course set uh, kind of sends that message across. Yes. And also the core set, set uh, and that's why uh, starting with Demon Hunter, I think s- can send the wrong message because if players uh, start at the top of the card library on the on the website and just scroll down, they're like, "Wow, Demon Hunter is really clear about wh- what it wants to do." It's, no, they don't know what they want Demon Hunter to do yet, and they have a smaller pool of options. Druid, it's much clearer about the things that feel druidy, and you'll get that for the other nine classes that have been around since the start of Hearthstone. You'll get an idea for things that make sense within the class, but you're not going to get clear archetypes as opposed to big DH, or as opposed to Demon Hunter, which is going to be, well, we're going to try some large demons, and we're going to try some damage, and we're going to try some little stuff, and see what sticks. It's a different vibe. And you look at, well, Hunter, which is coming up, you got your beast cards, you got your trap cards, and you got your damage. But most importantly, Hunter is losing so many memorable cards. I mean, you look at Animal Companion is gone. Eagle Hole Born Bow is gone. Houndmaster is gone. Kill Command is gone. Um, Unleash the Hounds is gone. Had these cards have been around forever, and now they're gone. And there are a lot of Hunter players worried about, you know, the loss of these cards. And let me tell you something. All of these cards have been memorable, and they've been around for years, but they're not actually have been that's super powerful. Like, if you look at recent uh, Hunter decks, even like Face Hunter, it wasn't really about the Ego Hone Bowl, and it definitely shouldn't have been playing Animal Companion. I think Kill Command is the big miss here, right? I think out of all these cards, Kill Command is the reach that Hunter often needed to close games. But the other cards, I feel like, are replaceable. Unleash kind of takes away an important tool for Hunter to pseudo AOE to deal with whiteboards, but uh, the other cards I think can be replaced. Like they're replaceable. That's not my concern with the Hunter set, really. And what Hunter did get, it seems like there's some effort to give it some generation, at least to help it um, get, like, maintain some hand size or at least find it, its important cards faster. Tracking change 
is a good change if you want to help promote slower hunter decks. Because tracking before discarded the two cards, that didn't matter in fast games. Some people say, and there's a point there, that it even made um, it was even better for faster hunter decks to just, you know, go through, burn through their their you know cheaper cards towards the late game. You like you play tracking on six. And let's say on six, you don't really want to draw one drop. And if you get a tracking and you find your kill command, but you but you discard like a couple one drops or cheap cards that don't really deal direct damage. At that point, it's even an advantage. But what the problem was with uh, tracking is that if you're playing for the late game and you're playing like a, a slower game plan that is around value, then tracking is kind of a drawback because it puts you pushes you towards fatigue. If if you're like a combo hunter deck, you're often like this seems fantasy right now, right? But we're looking far into the future. We don't know. They might be trying to promote these strategies that haven't really been found in Hunter before. But if you're playing a combo-ish deck, Hunter deck, tracking can backfire because you really want significant uh, uh, specific key uh, pieces to draw. And now it's a discover, then it makes it um, feel better, but it's also going to be better for these strategies. So that's a good change. You look at Selective Breeder, discover a copy of a beast in your deck, it's a 2-mana 1-1. One, one. I don't think this card is particularly strong. right? It's comparable to Novice Engineer. But for a beast, you, you can find a card that you want. Um, I think this card is better, rather than a card for beast decks, maybe you play a deck with not a lot of beasts but some beast that you specifically want. This is where I think this card could possibly shine. Um, instead of companion, you know, you lost a lot of three drops, turn three plays. We're getting Bear Shark back, but we're not getting it with Houndmaster. We're also getting Dire Frenzy, which is another uh, lean towards late game hunter strategies. The, the set seems to be pushing a little bit uh, further away from aggressive hunter decks, which I think the classic set uh, really geared the class to succeed in, and pushing into the slower things. You, you see it in the tracking chain, the selective breeder option, the dire frenzy. We're getting a little bit more of that. We also get a really cool card back, which is lock and load. Now, I'm not sure if lock and load, even at one mana, it got buffed from two to one. That makes it worth thinking about. But I'm still not sure it's good enough because I'm not sure whether the card pool, like it generates random hunter cards. I'm not sure that pool is strong enough to justify this being played, uh, let's say, compared to like Will Kickmaster, right? The the pool of combo cards is high quality. The pool of hunter cards, not so much. So I'm not sure about this one. They want to make it work so badly. They want to make it yeah. work so bad. They brought it back into Doom of the Tomb, right? And And people just didn't play it because a two minutes garbage yeah they really want the people to play lock and load and i can understand it it's a cool card right it's a cool card also now it's generated by one maker hat maybe hunter plays one maker one maker is one of these cards that i think is going to be, become really strong uh after the rotation uh, in multiple classes but we'll see tracking lock and load arcane shot i'm kind of one maker but the point is, Hunter set leans more towards slower Hunter decks. We've got Web Spinner back. That's an old favorite for a lot of uh, uh, players. 
Uh, again, helps you. You play a beast. You play something on turn one. You still maintain your hand size somewhat. Again, there's no card draw here, but there's kind of a replacement. There's a cycle effect. So that's important. So a little bit helpful for Hunter to maintain their hand size. But again, if you don't give Hunter card draw in, in Forge in the Barons, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad because this is definitely not enough. Oh, and we also get Quick Shot instead of Kill Command. Quick Shot's which a cool is direct card. damage. It's a good card. Yeah. yeah. And it's more, this one is actually like, again, Kill Command was an aggressive card, and Quick Shot is also an aggressive card, but the reach isn't quite the same, right? And it's also a removal option. You can play it on two as a, as a slower hunter deck just to fend off aggression. You can remove something. And this card so was insane uh, back in Blackrock Mountain when we were playing very, very low-curve face hunter decks. We haven't seen it in any kind of modern environment, so I bet it'll feel much more on par for its cost. Like, it, it seems to make sense, the modern Hearthstone card. And Hunter is an example of a set that you have to talk about when you look at how uneven things were before. That if Hunter didn't get cards in the expansion sets, you just played the 20 cards in the core set that had been good for seven years, and you filled it in with some flavor. You, you put in your phase stalker, your toxic reinforcements, or whatever, and then you went about your day. And Hunter had so much more to lose, and I don't even think they got a bad core set, but they had such, an, such a clearly defined and untouchable classic set that nothing's going to stand up there. But instead of there being five classes that are completely screwed if you don't print something broken, now all ten classes n are missing something that will be filled in by the expansions. All of them should be on very similar footing. But I do think, considering that, I think that a lot of players, Hunter players, are kind of stressed out right now. Because, uh, for a good reason, right? Because the last three expansions haven't been good for Hunter. It hasn't really established a single good Hunter deck. Beyond Highlander and Face Hunter, which were established in the year before. And now, these decks are rotating out. There's pretty much nothing for Hunter to really build around uh, over the last year, Death Rattle has you know been a dud. So now you're also taking away Animal Companion and Kill Command and all of these cards, and it just adds to the stress of like, oh, Hunter is just gonna be dead. And you know what? I agree with that. Hunter is gonna be dead unless Forge and the Barons is gonna be a strong expansion for Hunter. They really need a strong set here in order to uh, find their footing. Uh, but you know. Core set is not about the next four months. It's more about the next year. So these moves make sense. I think these moves kind of, um, you know, move uh, like kind of take away some of the early game skew that existed in the Hunter Classic set, and you kind of have more stuff for slower Hunter strategies. I'm just the, my favorite change here is that I will never have to explain to someone again how tracking is worth running, even if you see a card that you wanted. Yeah. I think it's a feels good change, but it's uh, which makes it a good change. The only thing I kind of wish they did is just buff King Crush. I think that card could have been eight mana, considering Grom is eight as well. Yes, it's... I'm not sure why this is nine. I'm not sure why this is still nine. I mean, this King Crush has has never been playable unless it was cheated out, in which case the mana cost wasn't really relevant anyway. Just make it eight. Uh... It's just me. I think that. Could have been a thing. The only stretch I can think of is some kind of either saving the coin or some kind of reduce a beast by X amount thing with Shando in standard, but that also doesn't seem like it'd be all that oppressive. They could have made it f eight mana. It still yeah. would have been played, they, which they would have made could. it a good change. 
Just yeah. like they, they buffed the scenarios. They buffed in the scenarios. It's an 8-mana card rather than a 9-mana card, and it's still not going to be played. So that's probably a good change. Yeah, it's it, yeah. if you can buff a card and it's not good enough for competitive standards, it's a great buff. Because keep in mind, that buff means it's intended for new players to be able to run a card and not be completely run over. It, it's So yep. you want those cards to be as good as possible while not being standard-defining. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, so Hunter mostly is going to anxiously wait and see what Forging the Barons has a store for it. And the same with it Mage. It really needs a lot of help. Because Mage also lost a ton of iconic cards. Uh, Mage and Hunter had the had really really stable classic sets. Those two in Rogue really um, were the ones that had the most stable classic sets that you would see decks that included tons of classic cards. Mage for years has been. 28 class cards and two neutrals sometimes like there's so many mage decks that have zero to four neutrals um and we lost a lot of really really iconic cards we lost well i guess arcane explosion iconic card in this meta but blizzard frost nova frostbolt sources apprentice kirin mage pyroblast cards we've been playing for a long time a lot of the direct damage is going away leaving space possibly for new burn cards to be introduced the AoE freezes are going away, so that mage is not constantly has this uh, freeze mage shell available to it. I think that's also a significant like there's there's a there's an attention here. Obviously, uh, you only have a cone of cold now, buff to three mana, but that's pretty much your only AoE freeze now available yeah, in the it's core not set. A buff, it's a nerf frost nova. That's what this is. Pretty much. Uh, that's what I thought, too. Like, you have Frost Nova at 3, but now it just you uh, it just hits uh, the minion that you target and adjacent minion. So you can also kind of play around it. I'm so glad they got rid of all this unconditional freeze, because freeze is such a miserable game mechanic. And they can print some decent freeze cards now without having to deal with just it's combining with Frost Nova and Blizzard. I think freeze is still going to be a defining mechanic for Mage. It's just going to be different year from year. Yeah, and it's not going to be three mana freeze everything. Yeah, it will be one year, it will be strong, and maybe another year it won't be so strong, and maybe the next year it comes back, and so on. Uh, also, Archaeologist is coming back to the core set. Archaeologist is a really strong card, but I totally understand why it's brought in, and Kirintar moves away, because for a Secret Mage to be viable, it always needs a Secret Tutor, right? So we've seen over the years, it just keeps getting Secret Tutors. Mad Scientist, and Argonologist, and now Arcane Mysteries. Like, secrets are just not viable if you cannot specifically draw them. So instead of constantly printing uh, secret tutors, let's just leave one in the core set so that secret mage decks actually have, you know, some foundation to build towards. And Kirintor is the mana cheating card. So you p we put the mana cheating cards in expansion sets, not in the core set. So this change, this swap between Archaeologist and Kirintor, totally makes sense to me, and I really like it. Also, Arcane Explosions go away, but there's still Shooting Star, which is a card that, again, not full clear AoE, spell damage, uh, brr, go brr, but we're going with Shooting Star still scales very well with spell damage, but makes you think about minion placement and has some condition behind, right? It's also cheaper, so that works better when you don't have uh, Sources Apprentice anymore. So I really like that chain. The defining uh, one mana minion, Babbling Book, huge favorite. Can no longer generate Polymorph though, so it's Oof. not no longer a win condition card. Unplayable. 
It's Ryan, can I just take a minute here? Is gone. Podcast listeners, yeah. I want to speak to you directly for a moment. I also was not expecting Zach to make the burr sound, and I am also very pleased with it. So I want to make sure I share this moment with you. <laughs> it's because none of us were expecting it, and I am certain they are very happy about it. So I want to speak to them directly. I, I, I that's going to be the title. You of the really help. You really tried not to laugh that moment, right? I muted. You really, you, yeah, you muted. Yes, <laughs> I knew. I felt it. I felt it. I yeah. felt that. The mute button was pressed. I didn't hear it, but I felt it. Anyway, um, babbling book um, is uh, is like is an old favorite, so I think it makes sense to bring it in uh, if you want to. Mages about spells and has some generation, but it's not a mana cyclone. Yeah, mages about spells and spells are fun, so fun. Yeah, sp- spells are fun. It's going to quickly become a lot of new players' favorite card in the core set. Um, so we've got Arcane Mintelect. I really like that. That mage still has that iconic draw. Uh, but, you know, less freeze, uh, a bit better foundations for its archetypes. You still have Fireblow so that people know that mage is up about pew pewing. But Blizzard, we've got a spell damage core. Over the last year, we've developed like the spell damage shell. I really hope you print some burn cards because... I don't know how we're going to kill people with spell damage. And you you also introduced Egwin. Yeah, this yeah. is a spell damage legendary build around. Five mana, five fire spell damage plus two. And the death rattle gives the next minion you draw getting that spell damage plus two. And the death rattle. But n- none of the other abilities. It's only spell damage plus two and the death rattle are the only things that get passed down. Yeah. Those are the things I got passed down. Very flavorful card. If you read the lore about uh, her. Um, She's Medivh's mom. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, you always have access to spell damage while playing her. The next minion you draw always has that spell damage. You play it. It dies. It gives the spell damage to the next one, the next guardian, and so on. But, I mean, if we have spell damage, but you can't actually damage the opponent, that's kind of a problem. So I'm expecting to see some burn cards uh, for Mage over the next year. We also got buff, like, Ethereal Conjurer back and buffed by one health. That card wasn't really playable with three health, so I like that change. And also, there's this weird package of Fallen Hero and Koldara Drake, the hero power thing. Like, are we getting, like, some hero... Like, these these cards feel like cards that are going to stick around for a year. Because they kind of hint that they might want to build towards a hero-powering mage. Which is weird, but I don't know. We'll see. Fallen Hero was a card that I felt like was going to be possibly relevant in the Grand Tournament when it came out six years ago. And it never was. Never was. I can kind of see it now. Like, no, I mean, the same thing for Koldara Drake. The only highlight that Koldara Drake creates is when, I don't know, it's randomly generated by a Reno Priest in WoW. That's pretty much what it does. Get randomly generated and grief your, the opponent of the Reno Priest. But now it's a Boulder Fist Ogre. Good stats for the cost. Colder Fist Ogre. Huh? huh? Boulder Fist Ogre. Yeah. Yes. A friend of mine, other Tom, came up with this, and I'm contractually obligated to say it whenever I see this card. Also, Ethereal Conjurer coming back. I loved Ethereal Conjurer back in the day when we were playing it. And now it's 6-4. You were playing it. Yeah. Nobody was playing it, Hat. That was in standard for a minute. That was in in Temple Mage decks. We were playing that card. We were? I don't even remember. 
We were playing it in Flame Waker Mage? It's... I I don't remember the exact era, but I remember casting this card, and I remember liking it. Hmm. I'll yeah, look it up. I guess. That's, I, think, I think that card was introduced when Discover was this... Oh, this is such a cool, new, interesting mechanic. Yeah, it was in League of Explorers. It was in Flame Waker Mage. Oh, man. I looked at the list, and it was a high legend deck from one Amaz, who was totally a person at the time. Amaz and high legend, guys. Yeah, so you know that it's outdated. Prehistoric. Prehistoric. Um, Yeah, but that was the first uh, expansion of Discover, League of Explorers. So this is, yeah, one of the first Discover cards. So, yeah, cool. I think Mage, um, yeah. I want to see more burn. <laughs> I want to burn people. Otherwise, spell damage is going to have a problem. And they've been held back on doing it for a while because they already had four. Like, you could play four really good cards. You could play two Frostbolt and two Fireball in every mage deck ever. And so if you print too much burn, then you just die. So taking Frostbolt out gives them a little bit more space for some cheaper burn. I think Sp- Frostbolt and Arcane Missiles are both gone mostly because of Mazaki. Because it's mm. a little bit, too st- it's possibly a little bit too, still puts the tick that away. They took uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Well, Sorcerer's Apprentice was never going to survive. A uh, card is no. uh, no. super busted for a core card, but uh, yeah, the mana chain is too much. I wanted to see them leave it in just so I could watch people lose their minds on Twitter, but they, it, 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 there's no chance. Don't worry, there's some stuff that will that made the people lose their minds anyway that, that it was kept. The Paladin one. The Paladin said, okay, so the Paladin said, like, Here's the thing about Paladin. I think that Paladin had the best uh, year of the Phoenix sets out of all the classes. It has the best. Like, if you look at every set from the first to the third this year, it got nutty sets, really strong sets. So I think that Paladin is actually, when you just look at its expansion sets, one of the best position classes. And when you look at its core set, you start thinking about it even more. Like, Oh my god, Paladin looks nuts. I mean, look at what they did with Paladin. I mean, what does it even lose? Its classic set sucked. What are we losing? Blessed Champion? We're losing, what, eye for an eye? It got lost a lot of trash. Now, sure, it did lose uh, Blessing of Might. So, Agro Paladin, the deck that never really existed since they took away Divine Favor is probably not coming back anytime soon, but... Gosh, I'm trying to really, think of which of these cards is the nothing. worst. Which card is the best one that's leaving? L- nothing. I mean, look at the list. Hammer of nothing. Wrath? Avenging Wrath? Avenging like, Wrath? Ugh. Like, it, it's probably Hammer of Wrath, just because some cards drew cards. Or maybe it's Holy Wrath, which was only ever used for evil, but sometimes it was used for evil. But basically, it lost nothing. Yeah. And look at what it's gaining. It's gaining actually good secrets. Avenge might be... The best secret that Paladin has ever been given. Like, that card was nuts back in the day. And alongside Noble Sacrifice, so those secrets work really well together. And Reckoning, a new secret, after an enemy minion deals three or more damage, destroy it? Seems real good. That is so versatile. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got these three secrets. So now Paladin doesn't have useless stuff. Wandmaker? Again, I'm, I'm just saying that word. Uh, uh, I'm going to say that multiple times this, uh, this, this podcast. But Righteous Protector is coming back. This is such a good one-drop for Paladin. Like, this card has been nuts since the moment it was given to Paladin until the moment it rotated. It saw play. It also fits the, the theme, right? We've got Argent Protector, the two mana. So Paladin is about Divine Shields. New players, they understand it better. 
Holy Light got buffed. It's actually a significant health now, a uh, health gain. Equality got the nerf reverted partially, and that should have been the nerf from the beginning. Now it's three mana. It's not trash tier four mana. It's not overpowered two mana, but three mana I think is a fair cost for equality. I'm really liking this buff. They they definitely didn't move it to four mana because of Odd Paladin, though. That's what they told us. For sure, that wasn't why. Yeah, they said that it wasn't because of Odd Paladin, but we I'm, don't believe I'm you. I'm memeing. Yes, that we, is definitely why they did it. We do not believe you guys. We do not believe you. We know why you did that. Yes. But uh, equality at three seems reasonable. Um, far more playable card. You also got Guardian Kids, the card that never saw play. It's kind of interesting, though. Seven mana, five, seven with a gain six health. It's kind of, mm, it's like 13 effective life, right? You it's, think about it. Has it. Some, it's, it's probably not think good about enough, it. you don't you play think it. about it. You think about it, and again, the new player experience, they start with less terrible cards, and, and that's good. But the other thing is that we're getting this dude package in the core set. We've got Pursuit of Justice, which is a two-mana spell that gives one attack, plus one attack, to, ever, to Silverhand recruits you summon this game. This is a permanent aura. You can play it twice in a game because it's not legendary. You also got Warsaw's Horse Trainer coming back that also buffs uh, Silverhand Recruits. It's not a permanent buff, but when it's present on the board, you can do some crazy trades. And we've got Stand Against Darkness alongside Day of the Fear that we got from Dark Moon Fair. So are we going to see Dude Paladin? So here's my question. Who on Team 5 really wants Lothraxian to be a thing because there's a Lothraxian fan on that team somewhere. And they're like, what can I put in the corset to make this 5-5 five, five good? I mean, there's a dude fan. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to put it on Borg Control. Borg Control. He, he was a dude paladin mm. player. Mm. Too new. I'm putting it, I'm blaming Chucky. <laughs> Chucky? I'm blaming okay. Chucky. Chucky, Chucky, he likes Blaming? attack. I like dude paladin. I like dudes. Okay. I am assigning responsibility to Chucky. It's, it is not necessarily a bad thing. Dude Paladin has got some cards in the Darkmoon Fair, but it wasn't really enough. And now, maybe there's some critical mass. Standard Grand's Darkness is the kind of card that's really annoying, really annoying with Pursuit of Justice. I mean, you're just going to have to constantly clear the board, or you're just going to die to dudes. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited about it. I will say that the only thing I'm kind of missing is more dude survivability, but we do have Carnival Barker. We do have uh, the Ogre, the 4-mana, I forgot its name, that oh, gives uh, Divine Shield. So there is some, yeah, there, there is some stickiness here, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think we might be able to see some dudes with like 4 or 5 attack and construct. I mean, Pursuit of Justice, Balloon Vendor, Warhorse Trainer, there's a lot of ways to buff them. And it's probably pretty intentional that they avoided survivability outside of Lothraxion and Carnival Barker, which are expansion cards, because it's when they have more attack, that's annoying. When you can't kill them, that's that's game over. And so I'm not surprised that it's all plus attack and no plus health. Yeah, I guess so. But but there is still Carnival Barker and Balloon Merchant. and Well, it's they have expansion cards. And like we said, expansion cards yeah, yeah. give a class teeth, right? But your your core stuff is support. Your core stuff helps but doesn't define. But I do like it that there is some dude support in the core set because it makes it easier to support this archetype over the years when you have like a, a, a better standing, right? Because the classic set has none of this, right? We've got nothing. Well, the classic set for Paladin is embarrassing. 
yeah, it was embarrassingly bad. So now we've got a class that got three nutty sets over the last year and got a huge upgrade in its core set. I think Paladin's going to be nuts. And I, I think the only thing that's missing for Paladin, for it to be 100% nuts in the next expansion, is Cardra. If I'm seeing even a single source of Cardra that, that's better than Salhead's Pride, I'm going to... I'm going to be very confident in my assessment that Paladin's going to be really, really nuts in the next expansion in Forge of the Barons. But we'll see. Uh, I'm confident they will get card draw. That's Belladur Pride. Pride gets played in Libram Paladin out of necessity. There is absolutely trash card draw other than Hand of a Doll. Like, there's really nothing good available to Paladin. It has to play Loot Hoarders sometimes, and that's embarrassing. So if it ever gets like a solemn vigil or some kind of even reasonable card draw. Remember the week where we were like, we need broomstick sun guild cult master. And, and that was what we <laughs> thought we needed. Like it's how hard do you have to work for a sprint? You have to work so hard for a sprint. We can do better than that. Other than the card draw hole that I think the Paladin currently has, it looks really strong. By the way, wild players, reckoning kills spawn of shadows. Yep. So that is true. Just a heads up, just throwing it out there. Um so speaking of spawn of shadows, priest, remember how they reworked all of priest last year? They were throwing half of that away. Most of that is not staying. They reworked it and then they redid the rework, and it's so much better this time. Yep. I think I think priest is has more purpose in this core set now. And it's also cooler. It's also cooler. You know, you take away some, you know, inner fire. I mean, if Divine Spirit was going away, you might as well let inner fire retire with it, right? Circle of healing, you know, this kind of effect might have been like already, rid like we we got rid of Cleric, right? So Circle of Healing you makes sense. You can kind of again. tell when they made Classic they looked at the wow. Uh, they looked at wow for classic, right, to draw inspiration. And for priest, they said, "Gosh, how do we put this in a card game?" And they tried a bunch of stuff, and then they're like, eh, "It's not that great." And then Zedalot started playing. It's like, "All right, well, at least someone's doing something with this." But it's classic priest was was so all over the place. Nothing was really all that cohesive. It had some flavor, but it didn't really perform all that well. It was clearly trying to be evocative of wow, and it was pretty hit or miss, mostly miss. And they tried it again to go back to making the version of Priest that Hearthstone players thought Priest should be, which includes, like, a lot of steal-your-stuff cards and a lot of copy-your-stuff cards. And then Priest became really obnoxious, and then they went to the Resurrect mechanic, and Priest proceeded Ugh. to be obnoxious. So instead, they went back to the WoW theme, except they have seven years of card design experience, and they did it right this time. And there's very clearly, there's Holy, there's Shadow, and there's Discipline, which is when you heal, you also, like, buff or deal damage. And so you look at things like Crimson Clergy... Uh, and you look at these cards that are clearly defined as a way to make Priest play minions and make them relevant, while also being evocative of what Priest is supposed to be about, without being miserable mechanics. So, Crimson Clergy is basically Light Warden, but far less offensive. Well, that doesn't get completely ridiculous, right? It has more survivability, it's a 1-3, but the buffs are plus 1, and it's also a friendly character, not every character. Now, it's true that Circle of Healing is gone, but there's probably going to be other mass healing effects that Priest is going to get because it's Priest. So this this card is actually kind of exciting. It's a pretty good one-drop, very strong if it gets buffed. 
we also get flash heal. Now here's the thing, Hat. You remember when they what was this card that only healed yourself? That they they printed last year just Radiance. for the one mana heal your Radiance. hero for five. So so this is what they should have done from the beginning. They should have introduced flash heal last year to Priest Classic set. I don't understand why Radiance was a thing. It was just one mana heal yourself, only yourself for five. Priest is the healing class. Give it some reasonably decent heal. And I remember Flash Heal. Like, it was obviously a little bit problematic when Akinai was around, right? Because maybe that's a little bit too good of an interaction. But that card's gone. So Flash Heal just makes sense that Priest can control what it heals. And Flash Heal is a pretty good heal. It's a good one. So I really like that aspect. We also get Focus we heal Will, which is kind of a lean towards... Silence Priest? Like, silence a minion, then give it three health? It's kind of a very narrow card. It's kind of weird to put it in the core set. It reminds me of uh, Fallen Hero in terms of being very narrow, which kind of tells me that they might be revisiting this archetype as well. Shadow Ward Pain is gone. I thought, it, like, from the beginning, I thought it was weird the moment they buffed Shadow Ward Death to two mana. It's kind of weird that Pain is also two mana. They just took away and made Smite the early game removal tool for Priest. And I like that because you don't have too much of it. And when Priest just stacks early game removal, it gets really frustrating. Uh, and then we also have, you know, small buff. Like Lag Spawn is now a three mana card. So a three mana 4-4 four four makes you a little bit, think about it a little bit more. We also got Shadow Support. So Shadow Form is back. Now it's two mana. You cannot play it again and get the three damage hero power, but it's two mana now. So we'll see if Priest gets, I don't know, repetitive hero power support where you're just a Shadow Priest and, like, I don't know if Shanduin, uh, like, Shanduin uh, <laughs> back in uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne. I don't know if we're going to experience something like that again, but it seems to me that they're kind of leaning towards some play style like that of Shadow Priest. There's also Shadowed Spirit, which is a 3-mana 4-3 with a Death Rattle that's very Leper Gnomish. Right? Deal three damage to the opponent hero. That's kind of a funny card to to give priest, but it's a shadow card. And it kind of just gives the vibe but, of if you're gonna resurrect things and you bring this back instead of convincing infiltrator, I am a lot less offended. And also at least the game is yeah. moving towards a conclusion. And it kinda says like At hey, least I'm gonna die. Priest is kind of about damage in a weird way, and kind of about death rattles and kind of about minions. This sends a really clear message about what they want priest to be. Like, this is the kind of set where a card like Shadow Ascendant as an expansion card would have seen play. Yeah, I agree. But the most important card, I think, out of this set, and it's a new card, is Thrive in the Shadows. Sweet card. Really, really good. Discover a spell from your deck. This is essentially Shadow Visions, except that it doesn't discover a copy, so it actually pulls the card from your deck like Cleric of Scale does. And the fact that this card is available in the core set makes me happy uh, because I think that effect was so popular. I think also people that think that this is too powerful in the core set are wrong. The reason why is that Shadow Visions, part of the reason why it, it felt so strong was because of Radiant Elemental. When you have to actually pay two mana for this effect, there's actually a cost to it. Look at Cleric of Spell Scales. It's a one mana conditional uh, one drop. It's a one one for one. It has this same effect, and it wasn't like ubiquitously played. Auto. It was a strong card. Dragons were not a were not a trivial trigger, 
But like, think about how good Cleric of Scales was with Raised Dead, and we missed that. You can't really build around Thrive in the Shadows quite the same way, unless you have three really specific spells. I don't think we're going to get there. And we were getting super gross cards with Shadow Visions. We were getting Inner Fire, we were getting Divine Spirit, we were getting Mind Blast, we were getting Psychic Scream, and having copies of that was all relevant. The spells are different now, and Priest needs to have good cards. Priest needs to have something. It so. needs to have more consistency. It is a it is a reactive class by nature, which means that it needs this kind of card to help its overall consistency. When you run a lot of removal, you can you you kind of want to be able to draw it a little bit more consistently than the opponent draws its threats, right? So I do like the fact that this card exists in the core set. Really good addition. Again, there's no mass card draw, so priests will have to find something. Forge of the Barons. Otherwise, it will still be in trouble, but uh, this is a good step. Yeah. And I actually think that Focused Will is an important card to look at. The one mana silence any minion, then give it plus three health. Because they removed a lot of silence from the core set, because it's not a fun mechanic. It just blanks text boxes. No mass spell, no card silence, no Keeper of the Grove, etc. And I like that this is an example of both something that Priest is good at and something that is costed more appropriately. Silence should cost mana. It's a powerful effect. And if you're silencing an enemy minion, you, got, you give them something. You can use it on your own minion. It is relevant. And you can use it on theirs. But silence should cost a lot. I don't think this card is going to be um, played for the silence an enemy minion effect. It's mostly going to be a silence Priest where you silence your own stuff. But we'll see. I, I really doubt that this will be actually used as a removal. But I really do like the the effort to remove, like, reduce silence. And so, yeah, it's Priest looks... This looks like a, a, a new base set that actually makes sense for Priest, as opposed to the one before, which is take the old Priest and make the cards not embarrassing, which is good effort. But the mechanics they were buffing that they were working with there just weren't great gameplay-wise. And what they replaced it with is... Minion stuff matters. Also, they removed a lot of annoying cards had because Thought Steel, regardless of power level, was an annoying card to play against forever and ever. Yes. Yep. Like I like that Thought Steel is gone personally. It's I never thought I'd see a world where a priest didn't have access to Shadowward Pain. So strange. Yeah, but you do have uh, Holy Smite, so it kind of fills the same yeah. niche. I, I don't even think Pain was that good. It's just double death, double Pain has been the thing for so long. Um, I personally thought that they would uh, make pain one mana or something like that, but you know, it's gone. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And then Rogue. Rogue is going to be interesting to talk about because every card in Rogue is iconic because it had probably the highest power level classic set before. And so the cards that all... Without a doubt. The cards that the all best stayed classic set. Are, have all, are all currently seeing standard play. Like SI7 is on the outs a little bit, Coldblood on the outs a little bit, but... Backstab, Deadly Poison, Prep, Shadow Step. I'm shocked that Shadow Step is staying. Cat, if people are playing Cold Blood and they're wrong and they shouldn't, then I'm not counting that as a card that's being played in Standard right now. Okay. Cold Blood is not a good card. And in fact, I'll get to Cold Blood later. But the point is, so Rogue had the best classic set and a lot of Rogue players feared that its class, like that its set will be gutted. Good news for them, is that it did not get gutted. Yeah. It did lose some important pieces. Eviscerate, again, fits in with the other things that other classes are also losing, which is burn. Took away Eviscerate. We took away Sap. Sap is a pseudo-silence effect. 
So that's another, I think it was too good of an answer. Even though Sap isn't really played right now, and I expect that Rogue will get Sap-like effects in the future, kind of like Stunner in expansion sets. It's kind of a thing that Rogue does. It's just the fact that it was available for two mana all the time, and Rogue always had an answer whenever some big minion uh, uh, that also had a powerful static effect was in play, then Sap was just too good of an answer to it. So they took that away, they buffed Assassinate, made it four mana, so Rogue still uh, has this single target removal flavor to it, though obviously it's always going to get strong single target removal expansion set. Just an introductory uh, thing for new players to know, understand Rogue's strength. The important thing about Rogue in this set is that it's zero mana are iconic cards were not removed. It still has backstab. It still has preparation. It still has shadow step. Was shocked by shadow step. Super surprised by shadow step. Yeah. It's really surprising though when you think that, you know, Edwin is going away and maybe it's not as but yeah, the iconic zero mana spells that are extremely important in enabling the combo mechanic of rogue are still around. And this is the most important thing for rogue. Like if rogue lost backstab or lost rogue lost preparation i would have been a little bit worried about the st standing of the class i even expressed that but the fact that it still has those cards like yeah eviscerate is gone but it's going to get other ways to kill opponents in the future right it's going to get other damage cards rogue does damage that's its thing the important thing is that the core gameplay of rogue is not changing because these cards are still going to be around so, yeah, it loses some things, but it loses things that it should have lost. Eviscerate makes sense. Edwin, of course, it makes sense. Sap makes sense. It lost a lot of also garbage, like Kidnapper. Who cares, right? Betrayal. It wasn't really used. Blade Flurry was nerfed long ago. But I think it got a good, flavorful set that tells new players what it's supposed to do, um, which is, you know, deal damage, be sneaky, and... There's a focus on tempo. Um, Swash Burglar, a card that they clearly love because they just keep wanting to bring it back, is back in the chorus set. So it's not based on your opponent's class anymore. Yeah, they changed that to to because now it makes it works better with the burglar mechanic. Because if you're playing the mirror, you can still activate your burglar cards. So Rogue has a value one drop, something that it really wants to have all the time. It has it in the core set now. It can upgrade on that, obviously, with future expansion set, but it has something. Bladed Cultus is an intriguing addition. I actually think this card is good, or at least it's kind of playable, maybe, especially in more aggressive decks of Rogue, especially when they have a lot of card draw like they do right now. Might be interesting. Uh, Sinister Strike just is the worst damage card that they kept. And the purpose is just to, again, this is something for new players. Sinister Strike is not a good card unless you have so much draw, like the current Flinger Rogue, where you can just get away with such a one-dimensional card. But this you card is hear, normally... You want to hear my my 500 IQ take on Sinister Strike? Okay, They what left it? it in standard so they know when they have to nerf Aggro Rogue, because anytime this card shows up as a two-of, they're like, okay, nerf that one. Because it only shows up when the deck is crazy. That is true. That is that, that is a very good point. It is kind of a litmus test. It's the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, when when Sinister Strike gets played in Rogue, there's probably a problem. But the fact that it exists in the core set, I think, is is fine. I'm a little bit the, the thing I'm most annoyed by is Cold Blood. I think we could have unnerfed it and rotated it to Wild. Oof. Because Cold Blood right oh, now, yeah. 
Coldblood right now, Kat, this card is so bad. I know. It is so I bad, know. and I don't know why it's doing it in this, this set. I honestly don't know. They could have even buffed it attack by one. It still wouldn't be. Like, it's so clunky and weird. It Like, ble- Blessing of Might hat. This is so, like, just look at it next to Blessing of Might. Blessing of Might is gone. Yeah, but it's a, like, that's the, the budget for a, a, a one-mana spell that buffs. Look at this next to Mark of the Wild. It's so bad. I know. It's, it, one it's mana Cold so Blood bad. was my favorite card of all time, and this version is a way to show that Rogue does clunky attack buffs. I think we could have had a better card than this, but they, like, it feels like, again, this thing that they want to keep Rogue's identity in the core set as a damage-dealing class, this kind of aggressive, stabby class, but they don't want the damage to be good, so they kept Sinister Strike and Cold Blood. But honestly, Cold Blood is a sad card in the core set. And the other sad thing about the course, the set of Rogue is Vanessa. Because I think that Vanessa could have been cooler rather than being a Burgle card. I mean, come on! She shouldn't have been a Burgle card. But she's okay as a core set legendary. I think she, like, there's a thief aspect and there's a combo mechanic and... It feels very roguey, even if the card's going to be somewhat not great. I think the card doesn't fit the character, but, you know, whatever. But it fits... The Hearthstone identity, if nothing else. Yeah. And they did buff Assassin's Blade. I, I do like that buff. Because now Life Assassin's is. Blade is kind of this card that's like, yeah. oh, this card really scales with weapon buffs. Like, this card makes you think. You have five durability. Like, if you, like, a deadly poison on this is like, hand damage hand. And I don't know if Rogue ever really rolled with the weapon identity. Whenever they had a weapon buff, it was just because something was undercosted. But they were never really about equipping a weapon and buffing it until, well, Soul Sharpening Sword certainly made that a thing. And it's kind of nice to have multiple high durability weapons in standard because they're self-balancing. If they're both good, you run out of attacks. You, you can't play Assassin's Blade and Soul Sharpening Sword in the same deck because you have two durability left in your sword and then you draw an Assassin's Blade. What do you do? So they're kind of self-policing in a way because if you print a bunch of good high durability weapons, then the, you lose so much value. I mean, one of them is going to be pushed out. Well, yeah. Yeah, but I think Assassin's Blade... It's a good fallback. still not a card I expect... I, I don't expect this card to see play, but if there's enough... If there are enough weapon buffs, then you start thinking about this card, which I, I think is good. Obviously, yeah. an old favorite Tomb Pillager is coming back. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure about the implication of Tomb Pillager. It's going to be way it's worse than we remember. It's incredible, but Auctioneer... Yeah. Auctioneer is still in the classic set... Some in the core set somehow I don't know why. Yeah, that is, is that is a very surprising inclusion. But one also, of the strangest things. But yeah, it it hasn't been good for a little while, but it's still so iconic and and visible. I don't expect Rogue to play pillagers and auctioneers. No, <laughs> when 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 in April, I don't expect that. But maybe pillager will have another role. We'll see. But again, I think Rogue lost what it could afford to lose. But again, the most important thing about the Rogue set. Is that backstep is still here, prep is still here, and shadow step is still here. Everything else almost doesn't matter. So, the rework we were waiting for that everyone knew was coming and uh, and hopefully will work out. Well, we've got the shaman rework, and shaman is about spells that spell damage and elementals still and you know, it just kind of got a. a I love what they here. did with shaman, honestly. Yeah. I love what they did with Shaman. Well, other than, you know, they took out the win conditions, the thing that kill you, Lava Burst, Bloodlust, right? That makes sense. 
Yeah, outside of outside of Doomhammer and Alakir. Outside of like Doomhammer is iconic flavor. There's no way you take that out. The the most important thing is they took out some lethality, just like they did for all the other classes, and took a lot of bad cards away that Shaman wasn't even playing anyway. Like Frost Shock, who cares, right? Stormforge Axe, who cares? Wind Dust Spear, Devil. come on. And now Shaman actually has a pretty fleshed out classic set. You also saw a lot of Overloads card buffed. So you've got Lightning Storm, now feels good and is better, right? No more RNG. Feral Spirit is actually a card you can consider playing in multiple decks. Uh, Earth Elemental got buffed. That's nice too. The thing is that strikes me is Novice Zapper. This card is nutty. Like oh, one so mana three. It's so good. Like this card, we thought we said like in, with Landslide, this card is absolutely ridiculous. You can get it off of uh, Primordial Studies. Enables Ross. Enables pretty much everything that you do as a spell damage shaman deck. And it's just good tempo. Yeah, you uh, just so, play it on one. You just play this in one yeah. and you hit them. And and yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So, again, didn't get the card draw. Even took Farsight away. I do like that they took away Farsight but I, because I felt like this car, the card, when it was good, it was a little bit toxic because of the RNG mana cheating aspect of it. Um, but they did give the, you Menacing Nimbus, which is kind of a... You know, harmless two mana two two that gives you some value. I think that's okay. Again, one for one cycling cards like uh, like reload, not draw engines, not really draw engines. But um, and they buffed Adrenae Totem Carver and brought it back. It's a four mana four five now. Gives a better opening start for totem decks. This card is actually p- pretty good. I think that Totem Shaman might play this um, when when this comes out. So. I think Shaman got a better set. Buff to Alakir probably doesn't matter. Tidal Surge is still, I think, probably too weak. I mean, 4 mana for DO4 is not that great. Scales with spell um, damage now, like, that's something. It's something. But, we, yeah, but it's a 4 mana spell. We probably don't want to play it. We probably don't. I do kind of want to dome people for 4 with buff Fire Elemental, though. 4 is more than 3. Yeah, 4 is more than 3. That is correct. You are very accurate in that statement. Have you checked the data? You got to check the data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the champion's uh, set is better. But again, if they don't get card draw and Forge of the Barons, I'm going to be mad. But, you know, we'll see. I I think it has a a much better chance now to compete over the years with uh, a little bit of a better start. I really like Novice Zapper. That card is so... I I thought about the past year of, even after they reverted Sludge Slurper, just... My one drop is Slurper, and I'm playing it to Demon Hunter, and it just feels awful. And now it's like, nice Demon Hunter deck, Flame Imp, go. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Flame Imp, it's, it's, it's... by the way, I think that people don't remember how the Warlock Classic set doesn't exist. The Warlock Classic set is Flame Imp and Life Tap, and nothing else matters. It, yeah, it was so bad. The amount of garbage that they Man, got rid of, of doom. that people forgot was in Standard. They printed the that warlock set in fear of the life tap being overpowered. And look at us now. <laughs> life tap is not overpowered. It was overpowered in 2014, 2015, like back then when we didn't know what to play, when we didn't know how to play tempo. Maybe, but the point is uh, times have changed and we can actually give warlock a, a, a core set that actually does something with cards that are actually playable. 
Uh, and it's kind of shocking, but the core set of Warlock hat is actually quite good. Now, obviously, we have Flame Whip. We don't have Voidwalker anymore. That's an interesting change. We have Possessed Villager, kind of a death rattle synergy theme with self-sacrifice. That kind of interesting, interesting direction we, we see here. There's also other death rattle cards that they introduced in this in the core set this year that may work in, in a Warlock deck. So we got Ritual of Doom, which is like a, a payoff for flooding the board. Makes sense. Um, destroy a friendly minion if you had... Five or more minions, summons a 5-5 demon. Pretty good tempo. Works well with Fiendish Circle, a card that they brought back from Wild, which is a 4-mana summon 4 imps. Obviously not good standalone, but with synergies, possibly could be interesting. Drain Soul was buffed. It's a 2-mana lifesteal with deals 3 damage it, right now. It's Penance. Warlock it's gets, just Penance. It, yeah, it's just Penance. It gets Penance, so... Now, Warlock actually has good early game removal and recovery in the core set. I think we were expecting Hallelujah. a card like Dark Bomb, and instead this makes so yeah. much more sense because it's less burst damage, less damage from hand, which they yeah. wanted to it's do. It's not phase. It's not phase, but it's removal. But Warlock needs and healing so it can life tap now because it's not 2014 and you can't just be at 10 life and survive for 10 turns. Yeah, and the most important thing is that Late game warlock strategies, defensive warlock strategies, actually have an option in the core set to tap into and gives them a better hard start. So you don't have to constantly print survivability for three sets just to see these decks suddenly see play in the last expansion of the year for a couple of months, right? Uh, which is w usually what you see. But even this year, it wasn't even good enough. These, these decks were still bad. So really happy to see that. Lakari Fellhound, you got some discard synergies. Lakari Felon was changed and it was buffed to discard the two lowest cost card. So now it's kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. Substantially buffed. Yeah. Yeah, this is substantial buff. Like two discards that are completely random can be highly disruptive. And now this thing has a big body. This oh, is a. Eight health eight of health taunt. taunt. Like this is a hecklebot. Taunt four? It's. Yeah. Just, this is. It's this thick. Is, this is a strong card. This is a strong card. Definitely a strong card. Um, so. Siphon Soul got buffed alongside, you know, other single target removal. It makes sense to buff Siphon Soul by one mana. So you've got all these playables and you have Jaraxxus oh, and Hat. Do you remember yeah. when I asked you? Remember the, when I asked you if they kept the entire card as it is, but it just gave you five armor and didn't set your life to 15? Would that card see play? They did it. And we're they about to find out. Yeah. We're about to find out because Jaraxxus is exactly that. Loses absolutely nothing, infinite value in theory, with this weapon. But instead of sending your life to fifteen, you get five armor. It's a death knight now. It's it's ultimate nice to late see. game card, but yeah. But again, I will remind you what I said. I still think this card is not going to see too much play, and I think people are overrating it. But it's interesting. It gives Warlock this. Okay, I can like if the meta is super super greedy. I can use this. It's in the conversation in a way that isn't, ugh, remember when Jaraxxus was playable. It's in the conversation of a card you could think about topping your curve with. And it's nice that there is a conversation that includes that. And I think it's a buff in line with the Yasera buff. Yeah. Like, just make the late game a little bit, in the, in the core set, a little bit more tolerable and worth consideration. And this card is worth consideration. In some metas... Definitely, I agree. It's worth considering. 
But I, I think they forgot something with the card. When you play Jaraxxus, your wow button should turn into sorry because Jaraxxus had an S tier sorry emote, the best in the game. Let's just bring back the sorry emote in general. I don't understand why they, they haven't done that yet. We need the sorry emote back regardless of Jaraxxus. At least in classic format. Sorry should be in classic. But in any case, Warlock finally has a actual good core set. And I'm really, really liking that. Because before, it was strictly reliant on expansion cards, and Zoo had the, you know, Flame Imp, Voidwalker thing, and that's it. Life Tap, and that's all you had. You would nether sometimes. Sometimes you would nether, yeah. You had one drop, Life Tap, and nether. That was it. Yeah, but the, the, the point is that there's actually some head start, some foundations for late-game Warlock strategies, and I really like that. Yep. Warrior as well. Uh, Warrior, so Warrior's next, and Warrior had a pretty clear identity as well, but there were some cards that just kind of felt a little weird. They had a lot of damage from hand. I think a lot of people were worried about Inner Rage with the Frenzy mechanic. Inner Rage is not coming back. I mean, there are also some iconic cards that are not coming back here either. I was very surprised to see Shield Block leave. That was the one I was not expecting. Uh, Shield Block um, was just... Too good for too long of a time. Like, it's just, you, you gain armor, and you draw a card. And you enable Shield Slam. Like, that's the thing, is Shield Slam was trivially enabled, and now you have to work for it. Uh, and I, I like that no, change No, Shield lot. Slam is not this, is not this, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm playing Control Warrior, so I'm gonna play Shield Slam every time. No, it's kind of like, okay, you actually have to work for this one mana card to deal 6-7 damage. So, I do like this change. I do think that they, when they nerf block, a lot of it had to do with Shield Slam. So now there's actually, uh, Shield Slam needs expansion support rather than just being like a two-card package that's almost, like literally always seen in Control Warrior forever and ever. So that change makes sense. What they did with Warrior is they took out a lot of off-board damage. The charge from Kokron Elite, Heroic Strike, Arcanite Reaper, Upgrade, all the cards that kill you. They took out, or a lot of the cards that kill you. They just removed, and that makes total sense, considering what we've seen that they did to all the other classes. So that's a healthy change, and Warrior will have other ways, other means, new means to kill opponents and win games through that. But another important thing, Battle Rage is gone. We talked about it earlier, alongside the loss of Acolyte of Pain the year before. That makes Warrior's card draw in the core set pretty limited. Uh, almost non-existent. It it got its version of the hunter card, the hunter spell. Oh yeah, hunter's pack. Warcash. Yeah, it got Warcash, which is I think solid. I think it's all right. I mean, this is better than hunter's pack because you get better cards on average. Yeah. Uh, a warrior minion is better than a beast. A random beast. A a weapon. A warrior weapon is much better than a hunter weapon on average. And a spell, a warrior spell, is better than a hunter secrets. That's for sure. Like the card quality is far higher. I'm not sure it's going to see play, but it's. It's kind of something. It gives warriors some a generated card in the like a way to generate cards in the core set, alongside some cycle options like slam. Wait, it has one cycle option. Sorry, I'll correct myself. One cycle option. Remember when we used to play slam? It was just two of in every control warrior deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was two off. Sometimes it was a one off, but yeah, it was an enabler for execute. That's the reason we didn't have that many, uh, you know, whirlwind effects back then. So. It actually saw play. But yeah, Warrior, I will say this. Warrior is actually in trouble. 
uh, in terms of card draw, it's one of the classes, like, right now we're used to Warrior drawing so many cards. But other than Cutting Class and, and Corsair Catch, that combination, it actually doesn't have anything. Like, it, like it's just losing a lot of its draw capabilities, which is good. Because I don't think that Warrior needs to be the class that draws the most cards every, literally every expansion. But um, it's going to change the class significantly. And I, I do expect it to see new card draw options in the Forge and the Barons beyond Cutting Class. Because Cutting Class is tied to one specific synergy. And if you don't run weapons, then you're kind of in trouble. So we'll see what happens. It got like Blood Cell, Deckhand, 1-drop, 2-1. I think actually, I think this is the weakest 1-drop. Out of all the one drops that they've kept for the classes in the core set, this is the weakest one. Because the next weapon you co- you play costs one less, so you need the weapon in hand. For this to be good, it's a one mana two one. I think this card is pretty weak. Uh, Armasmith is here, is still here, and people are wondering, hey, why is Armasmith still here? Well, guys, when Armasmith doesn't have Risky Skipper, it's nowhere near as offensive. And Bloodsworn Mercenary, both of these cards are going away. So Armasmith, I think, is a fine card for the warrior fantasy and for new players to recognize what it does wants to gain arm yeah it's been it's been insane for the past uh what year and two months or so but armor skipper that's pretty much it yeah it's just skipper Armorsmith has been around for seven years and it's been good twice it's been good now and it's been good with patron uh and that me- usually means something else is is causing the thing and, you know, they made some card updates. Warsung Commander is no longer completely useless. They made the change that I thought they would make, that now it gives Rush. Makes total sense. Kokron was replaced by Warsung Outrider, which is a 4-mana 5-4 Rush. Kind of a card that you, you kind of hum about and say, maybe I put this in. But again, it's a card that's mostly not embarrassing for new players to run. And we get the old favorite Shield Maiden back. Ah, uh, she can take the Shield hit. Shield Maiden had... Shield Maiden is an iconic card since Naxxramas has been in Control Warrior decks. Kind of the replacement for Shield Block. It still enables Shield Slam, but makes it slower, right? It's, um, it's a minion. I will correct you. It has not been played since Nax because it came out in GVG. But it was a GVG sleeper. Wait. Was it GVG? It was GVG. Really? Yeah. Man, I got my timeline uh, mixed up. I, it's, it's okay. You don't remember the specifics of one card from a 2015 set. It's It's... But I remember playing so much Shield Maiden, and Shield Maiden is an example of what they're trying to do with the core set. Reduce the card draw a little bit, reduce the cards that you just, you play no matter what you're doing, and make a minion that matters. It's a minion that matters. You play a 5-5, and sometimes you hit your opponent for 5, and sometimes you gain armor and it gets removed, and there's a lot of dynamic replayability there in how this card is going to perform. Shield Block does the same thing every time. Turns on Shield Slam, gets you out of range, and, and cycles. This is more interesting. Yeah. And and it's, again, it's a more expensive spell. So, yeah, you, it helps you stabilize, but, like... There's a cost to it. And you don't play it in every deck. Like, it's there's decision-making yeah. involved, as opposed to Shield Block, yeah. which is like, I should probably be running Shield Block, right? You don't play it in, like, in like a Combo Warrior deck. You still play Shield Block just for the cycle. A Combo Warrior deck is not going to play Shield Maiden, or is going to think hard before playing it because it's quite expensive. So, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. I think the Warrior update is pretty good as well. I'm kind of disappointed by the 1-drop. That's pretty much it. I think it could have been a 1, um, maybe a 2-2 two, two or, I don't know, something a little bit better. But overall, I think it's okay. 
I think wild players will have different opinions about Blood Sail Deckhand. Low key warrior is going to need desperately need card draw and forge of the barons once again. Yeah, or it's going to need the hero power to carry it. Otherwise, it has to run like cash and and like obviously sword eater is going to run anyway and just rely on you know cutting class being a two mana arcane intellect pretty much, and I don't like that. Like I kind of want other ways for warrior to draw cards. There will be something. There will there will be some cyclers yeah, for sure, if nothing else. They will be. I just like sure. that they left Warsong commanders at three mana two three to really preserve this all the card. That's pretty important when it comes to. I Warsong. think the budget is also makes sense as well. Like it's three mana two three, it's fair. I mean, it's worse than animated broomstick, right? It's hilariously worse than animated broomstick. So is everything else. It's better than Houndmaster Shaw. But that's Shaw. because, but that's because animated broomstick is jacked, Hath. It's not yes. because Warsong is that bad. And and comparing to Houndmaster Shaw, like you don't run Warsong Commander out on three most of the time, but you do. You did run Shaw out on four because it survived a lot of the time. Uh, so Warsong Commander, you're going to play it in the context of a larger turn than it's going to die right away. So it's probably a lot less scary. It's probably just a just a a broom that's actually costed appropriately. And then there's yep. just this big pile of neutrals and... Neutrals, I think we're just gonna I think mention the most notable changes. I'm not, we're not gonna list all of them. I think notable additions is and notable uh, uh, removals I think is more important. So I think notable additions, when you look at cards that, you know, make you go hmm, right? Toxicologist yeah. is a card that they've brought back and it gives your weapon one attack, and you think about that, and Rogue, and you go, hmm, so sharpening sword, more weapon buffs. Nerubian Egg oh, was yeah. a nutty card back in Nax. Really promotes death rattle synergies. This card is really powerful. Probably worse with no power overwhelming. True, true. But it's still a card that, you know, if they bring this to the core set, it makes you go, okay, I'm seeing some death rattles, especially when they also introduce Baron Rivendell. Now, Baron Rivendell is a bad card. I don't think this card is good. It's never been good. But the fact that they brought it in kind of tells you that they kind of want to promote death rattle synergies. It's more about what this card signals rather than this being actually added into decks. So these are the interesting cards that struck me. Uh, also, Talon Forgering is an interesting card. The 5-mana 3-3 Taunt Divine Shield. Death Rattle, draw your higher cost minion. I think some decks might be interested in this effect. But fine, I want to talk about a card that's not necessarily competitive, but probably is the most genius design of Nas all Dormu. of them. You probably Nas already Dormu, know. Nas Dormu, Nas Dormu. No, Nas Dormu, the Eternal. I mean, people ask them for a Nas Dormu mode. And, you know, a game mode, make it a game mode, that's so weird. So they made it a card. So now at the start of the game, it's a 7-mana 8-8. And if this is in both players' decks, if both players are willing to go into Nosdormo mode, turns last 15 seconds. This is absolutely brilliant. Huge Bravo. fan. Yeah. Bravo. My One of my favorite card designs of all time. It is competing for favorite with Optimistic Ogre. Um, and 7-mana 8-8 by itself... Even if it's blank, you wouldn't play it right now. I know people are like, oh, it's just such a good deal for the stats. It's a 7-mana 8-8 no, blank dragon. You're not going to play this. No. You're not going to play this. They just don't want this card to feel intentionally bad when you run it, right? Yeah. You still have like a 7-mana 8-8. This is bad, right? But if you want to play in this Dharma mode, at least you don't absolutely groan when you draw this, right? And the week it's going to come out, the week that core comes out, there are going to be so many Nasdormu tournaments. 
and you can play like four of them in a day because yeah, they're so you can fast. Play, n- no, yeah, because like it just makes it possible for the community to do something with this. Like it's just it's so it's such a good card in the core set to have. Like just fun. Like yeah. this card is just fun. And a couple other standouts to me. Um, I love the new Alex design. I do find it kind of funny that the most playable old dragon aspect is now easily the most playable new dragon aspect. It's a really strong card, I think. I think she's strong. She's definitely strong. Alex, now choose a character if it's friendly, restores 8 health. If it's an enemy, deals 8 damage. I think both ways she's useful and can be very powerful too. Like, she can be removal. She can be burn. She can be heal. I don't think again. This is the this is the kind of power level that you know expansion cards in the late game are probably going to outclass this. But this is still makes you think about it, just like the new Ysera and the new Malagos. And then you got Anixia. Anixia is Shuma, but jacked up. Hat. This is a nine mana eight eight now. At the end of each turn, do you know what that means? Hat at the end of each player's turn. Yeah. She fills the board with whelps. So if the opponent, if you play Onyxia and the opponent doesn't kill the Onyxia and just clears the one ones, she spawns them and you're, the, the whelps are ready to attack on your turn. That She just spawned. This is nutty. And this is a design that was held back by Savage Ruin Bloodlust. They could never print this as long as they had Savage Ruin Bloodlust. That is correct. But now you can do that. I think this card is actually... It's pretty it's cool. It's actually something, hat. Yeah, no, but it's actually, I think this card might actually be good in some decks. Because it's a persistent effect. You have to kill the Anixia. Like, they're gonna print board buffs, hat. Like, the fact that... I mean, Arbor Up is around. Like, you, if you're against a yeah. Druid and they play this, and you don't kill this, then Arbor Up kills you. That is correct. Like, if you're playing a ramping jet, Druid deck, you can just run this at the top end with Arbor Up. And, I mean, Arbor Up, you want to run, because it's a good card, right? So this gives you some Arbor payoff. Like, I don't know. This this card, again, I think they did a really good job designing the new uh, dragon aspects. I really like them, yeah. They're very evocative, and they feel familiar to those of us that have been playing for a while. Like, it's they feel like the old cards, but just a version that makes sense in the and current... And it's more powerful, yeah, yeah, in the current times. Yep. Yeah. Um, the last neutral that I want to highlight is Explosive Sheep. They brought back Explosive Sheep, and I think that it's interesting to see a different take on a neutral defensive tool. Like, we look at a card like Lone Champion, and that's our Tar Creeper, right? That's our that's our neutral defensive tool that you kind of yep. opt into. But Explosive Sheep is neutral AoE, and it's not a bad card to develop early if you're playing with Mage. You can... I'm, not sure. I'm not sure it's actually neutral. I think this is just a Mage card. I mean, uh, uh, you know what? I, I take it back. Animated Broomstick. I take it back. There's animated. And like the Og Merchants are still in standard if you want a really janky clear. There are a bunch of ways to clear this poorly. Mage has it for free. But the fact that this is a round, again, it's a safety valve here that if you need AoE, you have it no matter what class you are. True. So I, I do like this addition as well. Um, yeah, so it's also a death battle. So maybe like death rattle, like activators of death rattle can use this defensively like a death rattle hunter. Like, lacks AoE naturally. Might consider this if it gets, like, a good activator. Like, a play-dead type of a card. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that this the existence of this card helps. And, uh, yeah, there's some emissions, of course. Um, we're not going to go through all of them, but, like, things like Dread Corsair. 
I fully expect it to go away. Knife juggler. Do you think Raynad will come back to the game? <laughs> um, probably not, but no. it's probably too late for him. But yeah. Um, uh, like no Twilight Drake. That was kind of the go-to I need a dragon for a while. That going away. It's just been iconic and inoffensive. Yeah, whenever you have like a full like a deck with a lot of like warlock decks that tap, they kind of automatically play this card. So I like the the fact that it's going away. Novice engineer, get lost. Novice engineer, we're sick of you. Yeah, I mean, novice engineer again, like reducing card draw. You still have loot order, but it's a worse effect. I think the most dramatic um, card that's going away is Boulderfest Ogre, though. I can't believe they took that away. Uh, the stats you? were so good for the cost. How could you? How are we going to survive without Boulder Fist Ogre in the classic set? I mean, come on. We'll always have Yeti. We'll always have Yeti. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, well, I think, Zach, I think that is a good exhaustive review of our feelings yeah. so far, just the core set. Uh, so we're going to wind it down here, but there's going to be so much more information coming out, and we don't really have timelines yet. We don't even know the reveal schedule. We don't even know when the set's going to come out. But... Uh, I think we're both excited to see the new Forge and Varen's card, and we're very curious about how Standard's going to take shape. So we may or may not have another report before the expansion comes out. We probably will. There might be nerfs coming. We don't know. And there will probably be another podcast to either pair with a new report or cover new information as it comes out. Um, so we'll let you know. Check out, uh, Follow us on Twitter if you want to get updates on our uh, content schedule. There might be something later this week to tune in to the website for I'm not going to make promises but we might have a more you know deeper look at the core set but again no promises not pressuring ourselves to produce content we're just going to do it and whenever it gets done whenever we feel good about it and it's finished we're going to publish it yes we'll only give you the highest quality memes so Thank you so much, everyone, as well, that follows us on Twitter and supports us through Vicious Syndicate Gold and Patreon. Uh, and really thank you, everyone, for listening. Huge thanks to Steven Sensei for the intro and outro. And we'll talk to you soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.